Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back to Atlanta. Great to have you with us. Penn State Ole Miss coming up in the Peach Bowl Saturday at noon. We're on beginning at 10:30. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 Hummels Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors Guarantee. Terrific service department that backs it up every step of the way. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now to bring in the outstanding Nate Bauer on 3.com. Sir, welcome back. Steve Jones. Hello. Great to catch up with you. It's long time no see. I mean, over 24 hours. So it feels like a lifetime to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Uh, so recruiting is, everybody understands. Nate covers games. He covers the sport. He covers the team. Recruiting is not his in his wheelhouse. They have others for that. Sean Fitz does a great job. You know, Ryan Snyder does a great job. But you were at the event. And just from seeing, quote, the event of it, what struck you about it? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, it is always about Jay Franklin, and and it's funny. It just it it coordinates so well with his message in general about it being more than the player, right? It it, it is it is such a collaborative sport and so in every aspect of the program and and look i think that this is mimicked and duplicated pretty much across the country when it comes to college football you are talking about an army of people that deliver every single day for the sport to run Right. Right. So on the granular level, like starting at the very foundation with the kids, right, the, the, the recruits that come into the program, the first thing he talks about is with, with every single interaction that he has during these Zoom calls uh, is, is about the parents, right? It's about the, the siblings. It's about the trainers. It's about all of the people that help get that player into a position where they have an opportunity to come to Penn State. And really, as you examine the room, if you're, if you're standing there, so there's, you know, there's obviously a little bit of media there, there's some donors, and there is, again, that army of staffers, right? <laughs> the, the pats on the back that you see from coach to coach, from uh, assistant to assistant, it's about getting over the line, right? Like getting past the finish line. There is so much work in maintaining and developing relationships that go into getting that commitment, that go into the culmination of that day yesterday, uh, that, it, that it just, it's, it's, it's about so much more than just the individual player, just the, the, the one-off of a huge commitment. 
the cup also ran it over when it came to the ability to talk with everybody. That includes the new defensive coordinator, Tom Allen. Your impressions of him? Yeah, that's funny. Uh, you know, energetic, right? He he, uh, he is a mile-a-minute guy in terms of words that come out of his mouth. With This is uh, inside baseball joking, but we use a program called Otter, right, uh, to, to transcribe, to help a journalist transcribe when people talk. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that he will give Stacy Collins a run for his money <laughs> in terms of actual words spoken per minute. Uh, that that will be even difficult for a digital transcriber to uh, to keep up with. But obviously, uh, uh, a kind-hearted, dedicated guy who cares about players, loves the sport of football, loves defense, and uh, again, something that struck me yesterday is listening to people who have been in the chair of uh-huh. a head coach, yep, yep. and just it's it is a different profession from being a coordinator, from being an assistant coach, right? And so having had that appreciation, Manny Diaz was in the same spot, right? Having had an appreciation for what it means to operate a program at the level that James Franklin does, uh, sometimes I think it's nice. Like I think that these guys come out of those situations and can say to themselves, man, It'll be great to coach the linebackers again, right? Uh, and so it, it points out it, it's two points of contrast. One, an appreciation from their side uh, into, into how James Franklin operates the program. I, I think that Pat Kraft detailing some of the hiring process and watching James work to, to make hires is, is a fascinating insight into how he operates. Uh, but then also for the, the coaches themselves, right? Be, having this opportunity to, to step back from all of the tentacles that go into being uh, a head football coach, right? At, at a program of Penn State stature. It's, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting contrast that, uh, that they put out there yesterday. Well, and, and top of that, uh, I, you know, he talked about being sitting in linebacker meetings and being pulled out because as a head coach, he had a thousand things to take care of. And now he's going to get to concentrate on one side of the ball, and it's the side of the ball he loves. It's, it's always funny to me. Um, I, you know, I'm interacting with fans, obviously, and this this whole conversation, that this is a little bit of a tangent here, Steve, but this whole conversation this season talking about Franklin's influence over Penn State's offense. Right. And forget what James Franklin says about it, right? Don't don't worry about that. He they are they have clearly defined and outlined what the dynamic is over the years. But don't listen to him. Listen to Tom Allen. Right? Yeah. Listen to Tom Allen talk about your inability like you do not have the opportunity to do that when you're sitting in the head coach's chair. It's just it's just not how it works. Right, you have coordinators that, on the very basic level, own, operate, run their side of the ball, uh, and so it's it's yeah for for, for Tom Allen, he gets the opportunity to go back to that to to, to get back to, to something that he proved himself to be very good at. I think that he proved himself to be very good as a head coach. Right, there were there were things about what right. Indiana did during his tenure there that were impressive. No doubt, um, but certainly how he made his bones, right? How he got to that 
opportunity in the first place at Indiana was by being a linebacker's coach, by being a defensive coordinator. And so it'll be interesting to see him settle back into that role without the distractions of academics and and donor relations and NIL, like all of that stuff that, that comes into play for head coaches. He's not going to have to deal with now. Exactly. Uh, Pat Kraft also had his press conference. What was the primary take from that, in your opinion? Oh, man. Uh, where, where to start? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. certainly there was an insight into the world of right what, what major college football is right now. I mean, nobody that I've seen, or I mean, certainly not James Franklin, certainly not Pat Kraft, has gone into the detail or the level that Chip Kelly did in terms of yes. a revised version of what college football should or could look like in the future. But him talking about NIL not be, you know, NIL being the primary funding of player compensation mm-hmm. as not being a sustainable model, he, he leaned into that. He said, no, it can't be, right? You, you cannot have fans having to pick up the bag on this. It is something that he wishes Penn State, the university, the institution, was able to take a bigger hand in. And certainly, I think that we can all read the tea leaves. We know where this is going. Right. It will get to that point, but right now it's not there. Uh, and then on, on top of that, I mean, I, I think that certainly his rundown of all of the projects that they have going on right now, I, I think is is very insightful, right? It, it is there, there was a Board of Trustees meeting last spring where a bunch of stuff, right, six, seven projects got approved. Um, and that that was including, but not even, like, the Lash building, the second story mm-hmm. of the Lash building it goes under construction, really, as we speak. It's, yes. it's being renovated as we speak. Yep. But that's just one aspect of all of the facilities projects that are taking place across Penn State Athletics right now. Which is remarkable. Uh, if collective bargaining ever comes into play... Yeah, and I, I'm only using if just to couch it. How much would that actually benefit Penn State? Oh, it'd be huge. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd, be the, it'd be the best thing that could happen to Penn State because it is such a robust athletic department. Look, are, are there ramifications to all of these things? Absolutely, right? There is, there is a, a backside of this where... If the money has to come from somewhere and you're unlikely to see compensation levels and some of the investment levels of basketball and football, you're unlikely to see those take a step back, right? So if you have to account for the money that then gets uh, diverted to football players and men's basketball players, what have you, uh, yeah, there, there, there could be an impact, right, on, on some of the other 29 non-revenue sports, right? There, there could be an impact there. But if you're just looking at from the standpoint of Penn State fans are being asked to, you know, carry the load of paying for players right now, and it's, uh, how do I put this gently, you know, being met with mixed, right, like a mixed, a mixed mm. result. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's still a queasiness that I would say. Uh, exists within the fan base, right? For and that's men's basketball and football. Uh, in terms of their embrace of NIL, you can bypass that when you get to revenue share, 
right? You, yeah. can, you can you don't have to have a full embrace by the fan base. And I will still be necessary. There will still be like actual the actual meaning of NIL of wanting players to have opportunities to benefit and to make uh, some extra money based on their notoriety, their their you know their position as a as a football player. Yep. Yeah, those things are great. Yes. But that's not that's not the the funding mechanism that it should be. And I think that we all know that. It's just a matter of the sport getting there. Agreed. Um, it's always fun to actually cover the games. <laughs> There's a game coming up. It's sold out, by the way. Uh, just what you, what's your general impression of uh, the matchup, Penn State, Ole Miss, Peach Bowl? Yeah, I think I think that I, I ran some numbers after Penn State lost in Michigan, right in November, and was trying to find relevant comps for teams that had had to face two juggernauts mm-hmm. during the season. Uh, and there was one. There was one that aligned. Yeah, old uh, old in, Miss. In, in terms of having, it, and it was Ole Miss. Yep. yep. It was Ole Miss, right? Ole Miss had to play. Ole Miss was the only team in the SEC of, of that stature, right? I, I didn't go through all of the teams that had lost to both, right? And, and, um, having to check out everything, but they were the, the one team that had a bunch of wins that weren't Georgia and Alabama. Right. Right, like those; those were the two games that they couldn't get through. Penn State obviously had Ohio State and Michigan, and so you're you're both programs. I feel like are left with this opportunity and this excitement for confirming and affirming to themselves that they are what they thought they were, which is a good team. Right, yeah. uh, Ole Miss does great things offensively. It is, it is a team. It is going to be a fascinating and interesting matchup to see how this excellent Penn State defense fares against that offense. But overall, like from the broader perspective, I just see this as for both programs an opportunity. Um, I mean, in Ole Miss's case, to do something that I, am I remembering this correctly? They haven't had an eleven win season no, in no. their history. They have I don't not. Believe. They have not. Right. So, so that's a big deal. Meanwhile, Penn State and James Franklin are looking for their fifth, fifth. eleven-win season in the last eight. Fifth, yes, yes. yes. Right. It, it, it draws with the complaints. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, it'll be an interesting matchup. Well, I think that there are still some things to uh, shake themselves out, right, in terms of personnel and roster availability mm-hmm. uh, for both teams. Right? There's been some some. Murmurs, I would say, on Ole Miss's side about who's going to be available for them, uh, and certainly Penn State. There, there are still some questions to be answered in terms of which which players will play for them. But on the whole, uh, I do think it's going to be a fascinating matchup. All right, uh, college basketball. Um, Penn State, of course, had its game with Georgia Tech in the Garden. We know how it ended, and what, you know. And as I said on the broadcast, I said normally it's, a, in my experience, a prerequisite to a foul you have to be touched. Uh, college basketball—that's that's what I said. Uh, and college basketball, for whatever reason, in my experience, has always played from behind. There's six years behind the NBA with the three-point shot. They finally got a shot clock, but it was 45. Then they finally, after years and years, rolled it to 30. Right? The charge rule. Uh, I mean, this, I can go through a long list of things where college basketball is so far behind, flopping, where they're so far behind the NBA. 
The NBA has a challenge system, right? You get one. Okay. You can use it at 18 minutes or at 18 seconds. That's up to you. Is this something college basketball needs to have? Yes. Having witnessed that, I'm always curious to know how many people are paying attention game in and game out, right? How, how many fans of college basketball are just casual fans? They see some games, right? But you and I are watching every single Penn State basketball game, every single one, against the dregs of society and against the powerhouses. You name it, we're watching every single game. It is not a limited sample size over the last 10, 15 years of remarkably bad officiating, clock operation, you, right? You name it. There, there are just so I, many things. I, um, I have 42 years of this. Okay, please continue. <laughs> there, you, yeah, there you go. I'm, 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 a, I'm at a meager 19. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to catch up. But, uh, no, it's, it's, it's consistent, and it, and it just seems like um, it's funny that you mentioned it. I, I just saw a tweet. Uh, you know, regarding some of these bowl games are now going to put tablets and headsets yeah. in the, the helmets, yes. right? And the point of the tweet was, hey, this is something that came to the NFL 30 years ago, right? Right. In terms of, in terms of headset communication. So college athletics is, is, it has to stop treating itself as though it is an after school activity. <laughs> like right, it, right. It, it's, it, it deserves better than that. The, the participants deserve better than that. It, it, there is there is such an investment made. Forget the money. The money is a huge part of it for sure. But these guys work tirelessly. It is it is ceaseless how they approach these games, and so they their uh, lives are dictated by wins and losses, outcomes, these kind of things. Uh, you have to. You owe it to them. You owe it to them to do better than that. And that's where it just feels to me as though you you, you got to have whatever the mechanism is, whether it's the NCAA, whether it's commissioners, whether it's head coaches demanding it. I, I don't know, but there has to be responsible adults in the room that can say, "Look, these things need to to fast forward. We you got to catch up because it is a game." that is taken very seriously and deserves that level of, uh, you know, of, of attention. And I don't need it tied to a time to, to a timeout. To me, if you're out of timeouts and you want a challenge and you have it left, you should. And if you don't win the challenge, it's two shots plus the ball. Right. So, you know, you, you suffer a penalty in that in that regard, as opposed to a time timeout. I have no problem, but I just want to see them get it right. Oh, and by the way, announce it to the crowd. Don't leave it up to poor yep. Jeff Brown to do it. I mean, come on. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, I, 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 I understand how this will come across. So I'm going to use my words lightly here, but I feel bad for Tommy Morrissey. Right? Like, I yeah. feel bad for sure, officials that are in that situation that think that they're making the right call. Like, provide like provide an outlet for them. Provide, yeah. Give yourself a backstop yeah. where you can say, okay, there's a, there's a net 
underneath us so that if a mistake is made, we can correct it. We can look at there are mechanisms there uh, to, to be able to get these things right, because I, I, I don't understand any sentiment from anywhere, right? Uh, coaches, ADs, referees, what, what have you, players certainly, who would think, yeah, you know what, this destroys the integrity of the game by not having it available to them. Thank you, Nate. Nate Bauer on 3.com. Back with more from Atlanta in a moment. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, almost Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back to Atlanta and today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, the best in new inventory, great warranties as well. Start 2024 the right way with a brand new car from Sunbury Motors. You know, the budget may say pre-owned inventory. Perfect. The Sunbury Motors guarantee they go over every vehicle, makes the buying process so much more easy and convenient. And a terrific service department that backs it all up. Routine, difficult, they handle it all. And Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Well, you can't come to Atlanta and not visit with my old friend, Wes Durham, the voice of the Atlanta Falcons and the ACC. My friend, been too long. Welcome back. How are you, Steve? Doing great, pal. How about you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's ironic that I'm doing this show today because uh, I'm actually doing my first Notre Dame game with Coach Shrewsbury uh, tomorrow, and I have a couple Notre Dame games coming up, and I saw that Calvin Booth's son is playing at yes. Notre Dame, and I'm just yeah. like, how much older do I need to be told I, I am? No, exactly. Kerry Booth, who obviously had signed here and then, of course, was right, released, right, yeah. was released and then went with Micah to Notre Dame. So when yeah. you get a chance, please make sure, because I've texted him a couple times, but just make sure you tell Micah I said hi. And, and, oh, I'm happy to do it, yeah. And Mike Farrelly and all those guys there, Greg yeah. Diskinis. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah. Yep. So um, it was an interesting year for the ACC uh, sure. with what yeah. happened with Florida State. And Florida State, tell me if I'm wrong, entered the season mad anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, let me let me clarify a little bit of yeah. the national rhetoric about Please. Florida State. Let's go with um, that. Yeah, because I think what nationally has been played out about Florida State and what reality is, is a little bit of gray here. Um, the first thing that folks need to know is that Florida State paid eight, paid Willie Taggart $18 million not to coach anymore. True. Okay? Um, and that happened after Stan Wilcox, who was the athletic director that hired Willie Taggart when Jimbo Fisher left for Texas A&M, but controversy there. Uh, and part of the reason Jimbo left because he was concerned about resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chief of staff to the president, uh, John Thrasher, David Coburn became the athletic director when Stan Wilcox left. 
And when Stan left, it was six months after Willie Taggart got the job. Okay. So Stan kind of may have seen the writing on the wall, if you know what I mean. I got you. So David Coburn takes over as the athletic director, interim athletic director, and he is a politically, as you might imagine, university guy, chief of staff to the president. So Florida State really didn't do anything resource-wise. They hired Tiger as the football coach. Everything else kind of stayed status quo. Mike Martin retired as baseball. The reason I'm telling you all this is Florida State turns around out of the pandemic. Uh, Michael Alford comes in as the athletic director. and You may have, if you follow the transactions of athletic directors, which is a lot like coaches now, (laughs) um, Michael Alford was not supposed to be the AD. He was supposed to run Seminole Boosters. Right. Vince Tyre, who was not going to have his contract renewed at Louisville, or for 36 hours, they thought he was coming to Florida State. And I tell you all that to tell you that Florida State founds itself in financial straits. And all that's starting to come around as a result of NIL and all the things we have now in our world. And then last August, Florida State decides that, okay, well, we're going to tell people that we're not happy. And look, they've got some, they've got some, Gripes, absolutely. And they're right about some and wrong about others. Right. And then they have this unbelievable year, and now all of a sudden they don't get in, and it just refires that engine, if you will. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting fall for Florida State. Mike Norvell, though, amidst all this, Steve, yeah. it should be understood how good a job he's done rebuilding Florida State and using the portal efficiently and retaining players and developing players and remember now two years ago in 21 he started the season 0 and 4 with a loss on the hail mary to jacksonville state right remember that distinctly yeah and and roddy jones and i did that game and so you know i i I think mike norvell turned their football program around and i think they are a factor not just this year i think they're going to continue to be a factor but yeah it's been a frustrating year for florida state and i think in some respect now the ACC has seen kind of its life flash in front of it a little bit, and it's going to be interesting to see how the league reacts going forward given the landscape of the expanded playoffs. Right, Uh, which brings me to the part about the grant of rights. And my point about the grant of rights has been you have to remember the landscape of the situation when everybody signed. Right. Mm -hmm. So yep. there, there was a lot of logic as to why they did what they did when they did it, including yep. the ACC network now being a part of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, from everything you understand, and I know it's a, it's like it's a very simple five to eight page document. I mean, in mm-hmm. reality, I, I haven't found anybody yet who's found a way to get out of it, or at least found a loophole of you. No, and a lot of people have claimed to, and a lot of people on. Uh what my dad used to call the internet jockeys have, uh, (laughs) have said, Oh, well, you know, X school has found this and they will be filing. And I'm asked, you know, like you would be regarding Penn state. I'm asked by a lot of ACC people in our travels this fall. Well, do you think, you know, school Y or school J is going to leave the league? And I said, well, when like tomorrow? No. Can they leave in seven years? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know the bank account of each school. I do know what some approximates are at some schools. And I also know, too, and this is the part that I think is really funny. We have schools in this country who want to make these moves. And in Florida, I'll use Florida State as the example. Yeah. And I have some friends who are, you know, seminal boosters who are, you know, good 
God-fearing Florida State fans. And they said, well, we're leaving the ACC. And my first question is, well, where are you going? Right. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, you have to understand that that conference has to cut you into their pie because you're not going to be able to take a slice of this pie with you to that league. Right. And all of a sudden you start explaining the business side of this. And next thing you know, they're, they're kind of backing off the, well, we're leaving. And I said, the most important piece about conference expansion, and you've seen it obviously with what the Big Ten has now done, mm. you not only have to know who's in your league, you have to know why they're in your league. Right, exactly. And, and I would say this for the Big Ten folks, and, and certainly Penn State, and you know, Penn State's move from being a football independent to a member of the Big Ten is, is a remarkable story, and it came at a specific time and place in the history of the Nittany Lions. Right. Well, it feels like Oregon and Washington have made the move at a specific time and place, very similar to Penn State. feels like UCLA might be there by panic yes, <laughs> more true. than anything else. And, 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 and $104 million in debt in the yeah, athletic department. That's, that's the other thing. See, USC's there for a different reason. Oregon, Washington, yeah. other reason. Yep. UCLA's there because, like Maryland, UCLA needs the money. Maryland needed the money. Yep. And when the deal couldn't be, and I think we can say this now 12 years later, yep. when the deal when the deal couldn't be worked out with Georgia Tech and North Carolina, yep. they went to Maryland. That's right. And so reality is that, you know, Bud Peterson, who was the president of Georgia Tech at the time, and Holden Thorpe, who was at North Carolina, they didn't feel comfortable getting into the political, you know, mashings of what it would have been like to leave the ACC. Right. I think you have presidents and chancellors now who showed you in 2020 that they want that television revenue. They want it for athletics, and they also want it for their universities, and therefore they're willing to kind of break tradition to do it, and that's what we're seeing. And Washington and Oregon made the long-term play because they're going to get about half of what everybody else did. And Fox helped fund that part of it, but they're not going to get, quote, the full share until the next TV contract comes up. But, see, that's the long play that they're making yep. at this point. Yeah, and, and see, and in the case of somebody like, and I'll use the ACC for an example, how bad does this? And you want to be in the league? Well, we'll come for free for eight right. years. Yeah. I mean, we'll come on the, you know, what I like to call the quick trip version yeah. or Wawa version yeah. of, you know, yeah. Uh, of television contracts. We'll just come in and be a part of it, and then you let us know in the next. So, I, look, this is all this is all predicated, in my mind, Steve, to 2020. Yeah. When they elected to play college football in the pandemic, and you know from the Big Ten how that posturing went. Yep. I know how it happened in the ACC and the SEC and some of these other leagues. When these chancellors and presidents said in 2020, we're going to play football, they didn't do it because they wanted to play football. They did it because of the financial ramifications right. on the back end. That's the bottom line. No oh, no question about it. They knew that they would lose at the gate, but in order to keep the TV contract money, they did it. Yep. I mean, that's exactly you know, right. It, and it, in, in my mind, that give it, that gave us the ground to change everything. Right. And yeah. I and that's why I heartily endorse what Chip Kelly said last week. No. I, it, nobody has been more clear and more defined about what this is than what Chip Kelly said last week, yeah. in my mind. Yeah, no, and I agree. I mean, yep. and he, ta- he attacked it head on. Yep. And, you know, and I think it's something that is, it was worthy of not just a short listen, but a long listen, and maybe taking mm-hmm. some notes 
as to what he said. Totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do have to add, your bowl game this week is which one? I am uh, I'm in Tampa on Friday night. I've got a kind of an interesting game, uh, interesting week. I'm doing uh, UK and U of L basketball on Thursday night, and then fly to Tampa Friday morning. And I'm doing the Union Home Mortgage. I say that Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl Friday night at six thirty with UCF out of the Big Twelve and yeah. their first year in that league in Georgia Tech, who I'm vaguely familiar with. <laughs> I'm trying to think if you have any ties to Georgia Tech. <laughs> Uh, just thinking back, um, you, you know, what's interesting, yeah. you know, what's interesting about UCF though, and let's see yeah. what you think about this. Everyone talks about group of five and there certainly is going to be an exceptional group of five team that can step up. And at some point in this 12 team playoff, they're, they're going to get an upset, mm-hmm. but you saw UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU go to the big 12. Correct. And they were a combined eight and 28 in the conference. That's right. That's an interesting sample size, I thought. Yeah, I think that UCF storyline, and I haven't really dug into Cincinnati, although I think I can look and tell a little bit about that. Yeah. For UCF, I think they've got enough speed in the Big 12. I think this won't be surprising to you. I think the question for UCF became their depth. Yeah, no doubt. And in particular on the offensive and defensive line. It's oh, um, Isn't that always the issue? That's always the issue. Yeah, but nobody wants to talk about it because it's not skill position, sexy, and you yeah. know, ratings and all that stuff. But yeah. the reality is I think Gus Malzahn actually had UCF in Florida two years ago in the same game Yeah, right after right. You know, they remember, kind of announced they were game. going to Big 12. Yeah, and it's and Gus said then, he said, you know, we might be able to get – this was Florida post-Dan Mullen, you know, transitioning to Billy Napier. And right. I'm not sure Florida was terribly interested to be there, but the <laughs> idea of – the idea of what UCF was getting into was fascinating to talk with Gus about, and that reality is kind of come fruition now because it's Orlando, because they have sixty thousand students, because I think they they have plenty of positives in their resource bucket. I, I think UCF can be a factor in a league that is obviously evolving. Um, now with the addition of you know, golly, Utah and Arizona and all the other things here, um, I'm fascinated by what that league is going to be. But I think they are speed ready. Uh, Georgia Tech is one of the faster ACC teams from a skill position offensively. Yep. yep. I think we'll have an entertaining game Friday yeah, night. Very entertaining. Um, I have to ask you about the Falcons. I mean, there's sure. been a lot of there's been a lot of frustration with them during the course of the year. They're in yeah, an, absolutely. an interesting yeah. division where you actually can make a move. Uh, what has been your thought watching it play out this year? Um, I think there's some really interesting dynamics taking place in Atlanta that, you know, I've been blessed to do these games 20 years with Dave Archer, Steve. And, yeah. you know, every year is different. And people laugh because they say it's the NFL. Well, the roster's changed. Free agency <laughs> obviously is a factor. But here's the thing about Atlanta. They were so trapped in salary cap jail the last two years that this has really been the first year they could fortify kind of what they are and what they want to be. Right. Um, for me, the the transition's been interesting because they did a lot of their work in free agency to retool the defense, and they've done a great job there. Yeah. They've drafted well under Terry Fontenot's general manager's uh, hat here the last couple of years, and that includes Eva Katie, who's been terrific here yeah. and is having a great year. Um, but they elected to use the draft capital on the offensive side. 
So Drake London's there. Kyle Pitts is there. Bijan Robinson's there. They've done some things in the offensive line this year with Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse. So it's been that kind of give and take with free agency. But they didn't have any money the last two years in free agency. I mean, we were signing guys on the back end of deals and all sorts of other stuff. It feels like they've, they're going to have a similar number to what they've had the last two years, but I think there's more to it. Is that encouraging enough to keep fans, you know, hope alive, if you will, for a team that mm-hmm. hasn't been in the playoffs since '16? Yep. I'm not sure. I think that's I think that's the real tricky part. And yesterday was just, you know, Desmond Ritter is an accomplished quarterback in the college game, but his yeah. pro experience right. has been really a roller coaster. And now he's got six red zone turnovers, including an interception yesterday on yeah. a drive that that probably would have won the game for him. Yeah, he's what ten ten touchdowns, ten picks right now to this point. Yeah, he is, and yeah. you know he's he's got all six Atlanta red zone turnovers this yeah. year, three fumbles, three interceptions. It's, people will talk about not drafting a running back in the first round, and of course, Penn State saw that with Saquon Barkley with the Giants sure. as the second overall pick. Uh, what was your thought on on Robinson being picked out of Texas, and what kind of impact as time goes will he have? I think Robinson has a chance to be a game changer, but I think he has to be like anybody else. And I think they're finding this out in New York. I think Barkley is better when he's got a guy who can, you know, come in and take a couple of good bats for it. No right? doubt. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what the running backs have to be. Derrick Henry's the only guy living out here in the NFL now who's a solo hammer, right? right? Yep. And they're even using Tajay Spears, but they use Spears in like a third down scenario. And but he's a complete changeup. Tyler Algier and Bajon Robinson have worked very well together, but Robinson's not going to run for 1,200 yards this year, and he's not going to catch 70 balls. But what he is going to do is he's impacting the game to allow Drake London to have a you know 200-yard day practically two weeks ago against Camp Tampa, and you know and let, allow some of these other guys to develop. But Atlanta's got a lot of things now, like I said, with the salary cap availability that they can now go in and kind of do some more fortifying in this offseason. I expect that's what they'll do. But the big issue in this league, and it shows itself every week, all you got to do is look, yep. is you've got to have day-in, day-out quarterback. Yep, no doubt. Just, yeah, and if you don't, you're not going to be in the mix. I mean, everybody that's in the mix right now has really good quarterback play. Just about everybody. Yeah. And we got a lot of quarterbacks hurt, as everybody knows, but the reality is if you're in the mix, and I watched the team last night play and take apart a team a lot of people thought was going to win the AFC South. Yep. But Lamar Jackson was really good last night and he showed was. you why he's worth the investment. So, No question. Hey, yeah. try and make the golf tournament this year. I know. <laughs> hey, look, I, I mean, I realize that we have to now schedule around the PGA Championship. I realize that. And that's not because he's playing in it, although I think he could qualify. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. My game has gone south on me, man. That's not because you're. Good. That's because you're, you're spending too much talking about it on the air and oh, not time playing. It. Let me let me say this: a lot of people have found out in the last ten or twelve years, like all my friends are in the Big Ten who do games. Yeah, and they're like, yeah, I know. Like when the ACC Big Ten Challenge went away, I was like, oh. That's <laughs> And they're like, why are you so upset? I said, well, you don't think, understand like all these guys in the Big Ten I know. My yeah. daughter just took a job working in Washington for Northwestern University. I can't wait to tell Dave. <laughs> um, and, it, and you know this because you and I have known each other a thousand years. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, I've got like things I cannot speak publicly on about Keels, LePay, <laughs> Fisher, and Golf. Neither can I. Look, exactly. You, you have to remember this group. Would it be safe to say is Las Vegas? What happens there stays there. Unbelievable, <laughs> right? Am I fair? And I want to tell you, nobody. I mean, it, it, and my wife understands this, and several of my friends did. Had Georgia Tech gone to the Big Ten, I probably would still be there. Yeah, because I'd be like hanging out with all my friends. Yeah, I mean, all of <laughs> them. Be like, yeah. Because last people year, people like, wouldn't you have been sad to leave the ACC? Sure, sure. But you know, I'd be hanging out with all my buddies. I mean, plus you'd still see Johnny Holiday. You know what the heck? Oh, the best. Yeah. Are you kidding? Has he ever done? Has he ever come on your show and done the oh, DJ? Oh my role? goodness. He's, wax he, him all the way back, kids. He's I mean, really. I mean, all, I mean, the stuff he did with Tim Conway, he'd do on the show here. Unbelievable! I mean, he's un- unbelievable. He, and he's eighty. Yeah, he's eighty, <laughs> and he's eighty, and he looks like he's fifty-five, and he sounds. And he and Mary sounds Claire 55. are the sweetest people on the planet, aren't they? Man. Oh my goodness! He's the best. I love him yeah. and Coach Naki in basketball. Yeah, he's got a Strachan. They do an unbelievable yeah. job. Johnny and my dad were oh, great yeah. friends. Oh no! Oh no! Johnny talked about Woody all the time to me. No, he's Johnny is sensational. Yeah, and he's got he's got. That's why I want to hang out. I mean, hell, I almost came to Big Ten Media Day one time until I heard there was a big luncheon in the ballroom where they filmed the Fugitive, and I said, "Not a hell with that." No, I'm you're not going to do that. Not in that ballroom. No, no you're, I'm not yeah. coming in that ballroom. Harrison Ford will chase. Harrison Ford's going to walk in, and all of a sudden he's going to get in a fight in the back corridor. <laughs> Yeah. At the Hilton Towers, here we go. Oh man, what am I doing, LePay? I got see that's LePay. LePay's like the gatekeeper on me because, like, oh. you know, Keels and Dolphin will get you in trouble. Fisher's the ambassador. Yes, that's why your league is great. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't know how Jerry uh, Allen out at Oregon is going to handle this. I mean, yeah, coming in that league, uh, wait till Jerry goes to that dinner in Chicago at the kickoff. Oh, yeah, Jerry, yeah, uh, I've, I've had Jerry on the show too, so it's he's great. He's yeah. he's terrific. Good people. This is why yeah. we have a good time with us. Like again, we've known each other as what your estimate was a thousand. <laughs> well, let's see. Um, well, you know, I just say I get. You know what? I'm gonna give you the. I'll give you the timeline. Well, it was Marshall. Uh, Marshall's the first one, right? Marshall was the first one. We played in that. Uh, played in the game in Huntington. Vanderbilt. When I was at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. I told people I did a game at Rec Hall. Yes, you Loved did. Rec Hall. Yes. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell but, you. I'll tell you a story about that game later when we get a chance. Rec Hall, awesome, love it. Uh, never been to the Jordan Center. No, I, and, and never been to Beaver Stadium. Can you believe this? No, That's... never been to Beaver Stadium. Never been to Jordan Center, but did a game at Rec Hall. Loved it. <laughs> and, and Penn State hasn't legitimately played games in Rec Hall since 1995. <laughs> Well, there you go. Oh, yeah. One of these days, you ask me about that Vanderbilt game when you played a rec hall. I'll tell you a good story about that. Uh, um, All right. Yeah. Hey, appreciate you. Uh, you think we might be getting your booth? Is that true? Yeah, I'll send you a picture. Yeah, it's, okay. great. it's great. Hey, it's not Miami. You're not going to the Hard Rock, big boy, Who? which is 32 out of 32 in the NFL. <sighs> Can't believe it's worse. If you haven't heard about the radio booth at the Hard Rock in Miami, yeah. oh, 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 it, wonderful! Well, I'll, it, it makes FedEx Field look like Buckingham Palace. <laughs> <laughs> and that's saying something. And on that note, 
think what, like, the, the last time I saw you was what Clemson last year, right? Clemson a year yeah. ago in the ACC yeah. Big Ten Challenge. Yeah. 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 So. All right, pal. All right. You, Call anytime, Steve. You are the best, my man. Thanks Take so care. much. Thanks, Wes. Hey, happy, well. hey, happy holidays to your family, please. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Same to you. Be good. All right. Wes Durham, brought to you by Sunbury Motors, here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.